TED Audio Collective. This TED Talk features education pioneer Amel Karboul, recorded live at TED at BCG 2017. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on-brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you're like me, you've always got some projects started that you haven't finished just yet guilty. With any project, it always helps to have the right tools. That counts for managing money, too. The cool thing is the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is the perfect tool if you have big-ticket purchases coming up or even if you just need to take care of some debts. With a low-intro APR for 18 billing cycles, make sure you have the right tool to help you manage your money. Check out what you can get accomplished today and apply at usbank.com slash platinum. Limited time offer, the creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. Some restrictions may apply. I'm the product of a bold leadership decision. After 1956, when Tunisia became independent, our first president, Habib Bourguiba, decided to invest 20% of the country's national budget in education. Yes, 20% on the high end of the spectrum, even by today's standards. Some people protested. What about infrastructure? What about electricity, roads and running water? Are these not important? I would argue that the most important infrastructure we have are minds, educated minds. President Bourguiba helped establish free, high-quality education for every boy and every girl. And together with millions of other Tunisians, I'm deeply indebted to that historic decision. And that's what brought me here today. Because today, we are facing a global learning crisis. I call it learning crisis and not education crisis, because on top of the quarter of a billion children who are out of school today, even more, 330 million children are in school but failing to learn. And if we do nothing, if nothing changes, by 2030, just 13 years from now, half of the world's children and youth, half of 1.6 billion children and youth, will be either out of school or failing to learn. So two years ago, I joined the Education Commission. It's a commission brought together by former UK Prime Minister and UN Special Envoy for Global Education, Gordon Brown. Our first task was to find out how big is the learning crisis? What's actually the scope of the problem? Today we know half of the world's children by 2030 will be failing to learn. And that's how actually we discovered that we need to change the world's focus from schooling to learning, from just counting how many bodies are in classroom to actually how many are learning. And the second big task was, can we do anything about this? 
Can we do anything about this big, vast, silent, maybe most neglected international crisis? And what we found out is, we can. It's actually amazing. We can, for the first time, have every child in school and learning within just one generation. And we don't even have to really invent the wheel to do so. We just need to learn from the best in class, but not any best in class, the best in your own class. What we did is actually we looked at countries by income level, low income, mid income, high income. We looked at what the 25% fastest improvers in education do, and what we found out is that if every country moves at the same rate as the fastest improvers within their own income level, then within just one generation, we can have every child in school and learning. Let me give you an example. Let's take Tunisia for example. We're not telling Tunisia you should move as fast as Finland. No disrespect, Finland. We're telling Tunisia, look at Vietnam. They spend similar amounts for primary and secondary pupils as percentage of GDP per capita, but achieves today higher results. Vietnam introduced standardized assessment for literacy and numeracy. Teachers in Vietnam are better monitored than in other developing countries, and students' achievements are made public. And it shows in the results. In the 2015 PISA program for international student assessment, Vietnam outperformed many wealthy economies, including the United States. Now, if you are not an education expert, you may ask, what's new and different? Don't all countries track student progress and make those achievements public? No, the sad answer is no. We are very far from it. Only half of the developing countries have systematic learning assessment at primary school, and even less so at lower secondary school. So, if we don't know if children are learning, how are teachers supposed to focus their attention on delivering results, and how are countries supposed to prioritize their education spending, actually on what delivers results, if they don't know if children are learning? That's why the first Big transformation before investing is to make education system deliver results. Because pouring more money in broken systems may only fund more inefficiencies. And what deeply worries me, if children go to school and don't learn, it devalues education and it devalues spending in education. So that governments and political party can say. Ooh, we are spending so much money in education, but children are not learning. They don't have the right skills. Maybe we should spend less. Now, improving current education system to deliver results is important, but won't be enough. What about countries where we won't have enough qualified teachers? Take Somalia, for example. If every student in Somalia became teacher, every person who finishes tertiary education became teacher, we won't have enough teachers. And what about children in refugee camps or in very remote rural areas? Take Philippe for example. Philippe lives in one of the thousands communities alongside the Amazonas rivers. His village of 78 people has 20 families. Philippe and a fellow student were the only two attending grade 11 in 2015. 
Now, the Amazonas is a state in the northwest of Brazil. It's four and a half times the size of Germany, and it's fully covered in jungle and rivers. A decade ago, Felipe and his fellow student would have had just two alternatives: moving to Manaus, the capital, or stopping studying altogether, which most of them did. In 2009, however, Brazil passed a new law that made secondary education a guarantee for every Brazilian and an obligation for every state to implement this by 2016. But giving access to high-quality education, you know, in the Amazonas states is huge and expensive. How are you going to get, you know, math and science and history teachers all over those communities? And even if you find them, many of them would not want to move there. So faced with this impossible task, civil servants and state officials developed amazing creativity and entrepreneurship. They developed the media center solution. It works this way: you have specialized, trained content teachers in Manaus delivering classroom via live stream to over a thousand classrooms in those scattered communities. Those classrooms have five to twenty-five students, and they're supporting by a more generalist to tutoring teacher for the learning and development. The sixty content teachers in Manaus work with two, over two thousand two hundred tutoring teachers in those communities to customize lessons plans to the context and time. Now, why is this division between content teacher and tutoring teacher important? First of all, as I told you, because in many countries we just don't have enough qualified teachers. But secondly, also because teachers do too many things they're either not trained for or not supposed to do. Let's look at Chile, for example. In Chile, for every doctor, you have four and a half people, four and a half staff supporting them. And Chile is on low, and let's say Chile is on the low end of the spectrum here, because in developing countries, on average, every doctor has ten people supporting them. A teacher in Chile, however, has less than half a person, 0.3 person, supporting them. Imagine a hospital ward with 20, 40, 70 patients, and you have a doctor doing it all by themselves. No nurses. No medical assistants, no one else. You will say this is absurd and impossible, but this is what teachers are doing all over the world every day with classroom of 20, 40, or 70 students. So this division between content and tutoring teachers is amazing because it's changing the paradigm of the teacher, so that each does what they can do best, and so that children are not just in school but in school and learning. And some of these content teacher, they became celebrity teacher. You know, some of them run for office, and they helped raise the status of the profession, so that more students wanted to become teachers. And what I love about this example is beyond the changing the paradigm of the teacher, it teaches us how can we harness technology for learning. The live streaming is bidirectional, so students like Felipe and other can present information back. And we know technology is not always perfect. You know, state officials expect between five to 15 percent of the classrooms every day to be off-live stream because of flood, broken antennas, or internet not working. And yet, Felipe is one of over 300,000 students that benefited from the media center solution and got so access to post-primary education. 
This is a living example how technology is not just an add-on, but can be central to learning and can help us bring school to children if we cannot bring children to school. Now, I hear you. You're going to say, how are we going to implement this all over the world? I've been in government myself and have seen how difficult it is even to implement the best ideas. So as a commission, we started two initiatives to make the learning generation a reality. The first one called the Pioneer Country Initiative. Over 20 countries from Africa and Asia have committed to make education their priority and to transform their education systems to deliver results. We've trained country leaders in a methodology called the delivery approach. What this does is basically two things. In the planning phase, we take everyone into one room. Teachers, teacher union, parents, their association, government officials, NGOs, everyone, so that the reform and the solution we come up with are shared by everyone and supported by everyone. And in the second phase, it does something special. It's kind of a ruthless focus on follow-up. So in a way that week by week, you check, has that been done, what was supposed to be done? And even sometimes sending a person physically to the district or school to check that versus just hoping for it, that it happened. It may sound for many common sense, but it's not common practice, and that's why actually many reforms fail. It has been piloted in Tanzania, and there, the pass rate for students in secondary education was increased by 50 in just over two years. Now, the next initiative to make the learning generation a reality is financing. Who's going to pay for this? So we believe and argue that domestic financing has to be the backbone of education investment. You remember when I told you about Vietnam earlier, outperforming the United States in PISA? That's due to a better education system, but also to Vietnam increasing their investment from 7 to 20 of the national budget in two decades. But what happens if countries want to borrow money for education? If you wanted to borrow money to build a bridge or a road, it's quite easy and straightforward, but not for education. It's easier to make a shiny picture of a bridge and show it to everyone than, than one of an educated mind. That's kind of a longer-term commitment. So we came up with a solution to help countries escape the middle-income trap. Countries that are not poor enough, or not poor, thankfully, anymore, that cannot profit from grants or interest-free loans. And they're not rich enough to be able to have attractive interests on their loans. So we're pooling donor money in a finance facility for education, which will provide more finance for education. We will subsidize or even eliminate completely interest payments on the loans so that countries to commit to reforms can borrow money, reform the education system and pay this money over time while benefiting from a better educated population. This solution has been recognized in the last G20 meeting in Germany, And so finally today, education is on the international agenda. But let me bring this back to the personal level, because this is where the impact lands. Without that decision to invest a young country's budget, 20 of a young country budget in education, I would have never been able to go to school, let alone in 2014 become a minister in a government 
that successfully ended the transition phase. Tunisia's Nobel Peace Prize in 2015, as the only democracy that emerged from the Arab Spring, is a legacy to that bold leadership decision. Education is the civil rights struggle. It's the human rights struggle of our generation. Quality education for all, that's the freedom fight that we've got to win. Thank you. For more TED Talks, go to TED.com. The best place to see stars is at home with Prime Video. Get everything included with Prime, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, starring Donald Glover and Maya Erskine. Rent or buy hits like Mean Girls, starring Renee Rapp. Or add-on channels like Max for the HBO original Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David. You've never seen so many stars in one place. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.